Welcome to episode 23 of Blue Jays Happy Hour. I'm Nick Ashbourne, joined as always by Andrew Stoughton. And we're coming to you after a game. We will talk about this game. To be honest, we'll probably breeze over the game because a lot has happened um, since we last went on the air, the proverbial air, the digital air. Uh, Stone, let's, let's kind of get through this game quickly first and sort of put it on the shelf so that we can get to, you know, you know, the meat of things. So Alec Manoa is great. Uh, the Royals lineup is bad. Some guys hit fairly well. Uh, Teoscar has been doing great. Chapman looked good. Do you have any other big takeaways or insights from this one? No, I thought Manoa looked really good. I mean, I always seem to try to find a reason to nitpick him. Like before every started, he just keeps having a great, uh, uh, a great season, and he's going to pitch in the All Star game. So that's, uh, yeah, into that. Um, yeah, hard to argue with the scoreline, uh, even though, as you were saying off air, it's a Triple A lineup that the Jays are facing. So, uh, you know, that's what should happen. Yeah, I mean, the offensive performance is encouraging. Whenever you get sixteen hits, that's pretty significant. Uh, I think Trevor Richards deserves a little bit of a shout out too. Uh, there's yep. a little bit of positivity surrounding him and his return right now. And I don't know, we kind of buried him a little bit before and there was a time when we thought that he could conceivably get DFA. But the reality is that whenever a guy creates swing and misses and he does it not with velocity, but with that change up and elevating the fastball, which is okay too. Uh, there's always room for him to work his way back into the mix, and it seems like that's what he's doing right now. Yeah, especially a mix that doesn't have a ton of that swing and miss. So, uh, you know, there are things I've been certainly wrong about before <laughs> in the last week. So uh, being wrong about Trevor Richards, we can just add that to the pop. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, let, let's get into the Charlie Montoyo stuff, because realistically, this is the Charlie Montoyo episode. Uh, you know, I don't know what the title will be. You generally handle that side of things, but I, I assume that his name is going to be in there and there's kind of two elements. Maybe there's three. There's one is just like, how are we going to remember Charlie Montoyo and sort of looking back on it? What is the Charlie Montoyo era? And then there's the, the timing and the, how it happened and how the news trickled out about it afterwards component which is a little bit juicier, but I think potentially we should kind of just start with the big picture. What are you going to remember about Charlie Montoyo? Because, you know, this is a guy who was the manager for three and a bit years, you know, literally 500. So if you just kind of look at the numbers, and I think if you kind of go back and if in the future, in 10 years, you're looking back at it, you're not going to be able to come to any concrete conclusions, but we just lived through it. So <laughs> what in the end, now that it's over, is sort of the final verdict on Charlie Montoyo and this era for you? Uh, I mean, I think it's surprising. Well, it's not surprising. It's it, it's surprisingly like how uh, how I think well, like a lot of people would have called this as the story, you know, uh, a long time ago that he Montoyo comes in, takes the takes his positivity to a bad team, uh, and, and you know that's gonna get that's gonna lose you know ninety games or whatever it was in twenty nineteen. Uh, and that the positivity maybe doesn't isn't isn't the right formula for when things get serious, and then somebody like John Schneider perhaps comes uh, comes uh, comes around and gets a shot. And like literally, I I've heard people say things like that from years back, right? Um, and that seems simplistic. I think it is simplistic. We'll talk about a bunch of Montoya stuff, but that sort of is the uh, is the Cole's notes version of it. Yeah, I mean, like you said, when people talked about Montoya in the past, there's always 
And again, I don't want to seem too deterministic about it because I think some of the coverage in the wake of it has been interesting where it's like, oh, this is always the way it's going to be. And, yeah. you know, there's always a million different routes that something can take. And if he had led the 2021 Blue Jays to the playoffs, even we're probably having a different conversation right now. Uh, you know, it was only a couple of bounces. I know. Yeah, Bruce has a handful of decent starts that he hasn't so far. Like, there's a lot. There's a lot of things that could have happened differently. But I think the idea of him as a caretaker until it was time for the Blue Jays to be one of the big boy teams, that lingered. And at times, you know, I think at times the results were probably better than that narrative justified. But you're right. When you guessed what is Montoyo's tenure going to be at the beginning, it was... He's the guy that they've picked to kind of dig them out of this thing. And then when things get serious, as you said, however you want to play that, then that's the moment where they'll turn it over to somewhere else. Whether that is, you know, John Schneider, who's obviously been very well thought of in the organization for a long time, or in my head, I could have envisioned a different scenario where they went with someone super accomplished, like say a Joe Madden or something like that. Obviously, you know, that played out in a weird way with how his career went. But it could have been like, oh, we're on the, we're knocking on the door now. So let's, uh, let's give it to someone with the big resume. It, it's an interesting thing because I, I don't think that he did sort of a bad job necessarily. Uh, he improved in a lot of his tactics throughout his tenure. You know, we're going to talk a lot about sort of what does collaboration mean and how much of various things did he own that was constantly talked about throughout his tenure. But at the end of the day, I feel like it's going to be one that maybe will to say it'll be for, forgotten sounds a little bit aggressive, but this is, he was part of a transitionary time between when the blue Jays were ending their rebuild and becoming the next thing. And I think there's more of that to come than we've seen thus far. So I think when blue Jays fans look back and, you know, 30 years from now, it's going to be the Gibby, era with the 2020 2015 and 2016 teams and then it's going to be whatever happens next and the montoya era will be kind of this weird thing that happened in between yeah i, I think that's probably right uh i don't think that's i mean it's easy to, to say that's how they drew it up because that's sort of how you know like i said people have talked about it for a long time uh i'm sure they didn't want to do it this this way and I, i'm sure they would have preferred that it worked um it, it bugs me just on the level of like it appears to validate a lot of like what uh you know uh, some of the weird opinions that people like create from themselves from what they see on tv uh about you know him being not you know too nice uh you know and all those all those sort of, all that sort of talk uh you know you would, that you would hear anytime you said anything positive about him or or tried to you know make the point about how things are collaborative and i think we'll see playing out uh you know over the course of the next few weeks uh, in particular, when it's a little more front of mind, we'll see that that not a whole lot is probably going to change. I know that the, the, the lineup, obviously, there's been a, a significant change to something that you know we've been talking about all year. Uh, would have been preferable had uh, had Bo and Vlad been more amenable to uh, Vlad, I think, in particular, to hitting third or to, or to hitting second, and uh, didn't hadn't preferred hitting third. Um, so that's a good change that that's, that they've been able to make that happen and, and get them on board, I guess is good that they weren't, uh, who knows how much it was pushed for. We've seen a little more aggressiveness on the base paths. That should be interesting. But like overall, I mean, it's not like they're going to stop shifting. It's not like the pitching changes are going to look, look real different. Um, 
So it's easy, I mean, to say that it could just end up being a cosmetic change, and it, it you know, the the team's going to do what it's going to do, and uh, it could have ju- they could have just as easily, uh, you know, if they make the playoffs, they could have just as easily, I think, probably done so with Charlie there. I don't think he was holding them back, but if the players are are not in the right frame of mind and they're not in a great spot with him or with you know the way things are functioning, then you know I can see why that happens. It's weird that it does filter out, you know, from Seattle or wherever. Uh, as opposed to, you know, the folks who are after the fact immediately like, yeah, I kind of got a sense that this might be coming. It's like, well, I sure as hell didn't, quite obviously, if you've written and read anything I've written on it in the last week. Yeah, I'm, I mean, we we can get into that now. I, I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding about sort of how that works from a fan base perspective, because, you know, I just felt like, and I'm not here to stand up for all those people necessarily. I know some of them have different opinions of different ones. Um you know, I think as everyone does, but when you're covering a team, like, I don't know, I just want to mock it out for a little bit. Like, Mm -hmm. let's say you get an inkling that some of the players haven't tuned out the man or have tuned out the manager a little bit. And I think that's maybe the extent of it. Like guys, maybe eye rolling him a little bit. I don't think from what I've come to understand that there was a, like a mutiny or anything going on. I don't think he was hated. I don't think, you know, the loss, the room is a pretty aggressive phrase. I think there are certain players, maybe the more red ass type of players who felt like something different was needed or maybe they were used to something different and they, you know, eye rolling and tuning out is probably as far as I'd go. But like, let's say you get that impression from four players that you talk to. Well, it's not very actionable information because none of them are going to go on the record. So you could then... You could write a story that says a couple of players, but we're talking about a clubhouse of 25 players. A lot of those players, for instance, are primarily Spanish speaking. If you're going to speak to them, you're going to speak to them with a translator. Asking them with a translator there what they think of the manager off the record is going to be a really weird thing that's not really going to work for you. So the most information you're going to have is that a few guys are maybe grumbling, unless it's something truly dramatic like the Shea Hillenbrand thing. So I don't know. There's been a lot of criticism of people covering the team. They're like, oh, they should have given us more of a sense that that this was coming down the line, that the players are really having, that they're really done with Montoyo. And I just don't think that it's realistic for them to move on what information they would have had, especially considering like you say that and you're wrong. Like you put it out there that they're, you know, he's lost the room or he's kind of on the way out. He's the guy you deal with twice a day. Like he is your number one relationship if you're covering the team. Uh, that puts you in a very awkward position. It's something you absolutely have to write about. And it's really hard to have enough information to be right about it, at least as, to put it out publicly. So I I have sympathy for people on the Blue Jays beat right now because I feel like they are taking some flack from fans. It's not necessarily fair because I don't know what they should have done differently. No, I think that I think those are all really good points. And I, I think, and, and it's you know, people because because the main broadcaster also owns the team. Those guys, I think, get even more heat. Which, uh, which it's also very noticeable that nobody else, like who works for companies that do not, are, do not have a parent that are that also own the team, uh, they weren't breaking this story either. I think that I think that's totally uh, accurate to say, and I think like it's you're like you're right that they've probably taken too much. My, you know, I, I, I may have I may have uh, gave that a little push myself, which I probably shouldn't have, but uh, uh, it is, and it's interesting. I think also, you know, the the, the Mariners reporter getting it, and uh, I mean, 
Jeff Passon just has, I mean, his sources are crazy, but you know, you could, it, it, it's, it doesn't take a lot to put two and two together, but like, oh, hey, there, isn't there a Blue Jays, a former Blue Jays player who's on the Mariners? Like, and could very easily just be like, hey, what, what do you think of that? And okay, there's some background there that, that is easier to come out that way than it is, uh, like you say, uh, with the local folks. And then, you know, everything the local folks know, they can put out immediately afterwards because it's not like opportunistic garbage. It's that they, you know, what they have heard has now been confirmed by the actions of the team. And so now it's valid to put it out because you aren't wrong. And, you know, when you're reporting or journalist of any kind, putting things out and being wrong, that's a big problem. But putting things out when you already know you're right uh, is a lot easier to do. So, again, I don't know. I think sometimes the, you know, the cogs of how all this stuff works, you know, and I don't expect fans to be interested in it. Like I just gave you a little bit spiel there. I don't think it was necessarily like, you know, the most interesting spiel I've ever given about, you know, the inner workings of covering a team. I'm just saying that uh, it's sometimes there's things that aren't necessarily clear when you're working, when you're looking at from the outside. And like I said, I don't expect people to be interested, but I do think that they could give, that Blue Jays beat a little bit more grace on this because it is a very difficult situation. And, you know, maybe there's a scenario where, you know, Charlie Montoya, they go on a huge West Coast winning streak. They go nine and one instead. And the team figures, you know, uh, I guess things aren't as much of a problem as maybe we thought. And it would be a bad look right now. And we're number one in the wild card. And there's just so many things that come into play with this that it's a really tricky thing to pin down. And yeah, like, you know, the Sportsnet thing is silly. I think the Sportsnet people, a lot of the people who cover the Blue Jays, and I realize I write for Sportsnet sometimes, so I do have a horse in the race to some degree. But just putting that aside, like, I think a lot of the best people who cover the Blue Jays do it for Sportsnet. And it is some a shame, some of the flack they get, because that's, yeah, I don't know. They're not in the tank for these guys. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Though I will also say, though, a little bit on the other side, it, I, I was surprised that there hasn't been you know, more highlighting of the, of whatever eye rolling might have been visible enough to, you know, be, be part of a, uh, a piece, um, which, you know, we're all watching the game. It, it doesn't really show up or it didn't show up a lot. Uh, you know, it did earlier this week, right before the firing happened, obviously with Vlad and that replay call, but, uh, but previously, I don't know if there was much to highlight, but it's just, it, it didn't, it did not feel like that was getting in anywhere. Uh, that there that there was this sense that this was you know something was off in the background and it certainly you know I mean I think people talk about the contract extension that he got in the spring and it's like well that becomes its own story if they don't have him on a contract extension like if it's a lame duck season so I don't know if I would point to that as being uh, all that meaningful like oh what changed in, in three and a half months or whatever it is um, but that is interesting too I think that the, something clearly did change and and you know, it was being spotted, but not enough to put anything real concrete out there. That's uh, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. And I think it is a bad look. And I think a lot of the stuff that I wrote in that piece where I was like, I'm clearly not going to fucking fire him. Uh, I mean, it was out of character for them to do what they did at, the, at that time that they did. And it's, I think, uh, and I think it does put heat on Vlad and, and Bowen. I think it does put heat on the front office because this is, you know, this is Ross Atkins' rocks, roster at this point. I mean, these guys have been here for a very long time. And it's like, well, yeah, you knew the bullpen is going to be a problem for quite some time. Yeah, I want to get to the caller we have here, but 
as is often the case, like that is, oh, well, we lost them. So never mind. But that, yeah, that's the lever that a general manager has to pull to defend themselves. Uh, and to Atkins credit, he said that, you know, a lot of this starts with me and he probably feels bad. Like Charlie, someone he has a personal relationship with and he, you know, him and Shapiro again, whatever collaboration, many people are involved, uh, that brain trust, however you want to put that. Montoya was someone that they brought aboard and their failures to build a complete roster. And I'm not saying they didn't build a good roster and haven't done a lot of good things in terms of the way they've built up this team, but their failure to put together a roster that was consistently effective this season is, you know, probably a bigger reason that Montoya doesn't have a job than anything he himself did. And, you know, that in all kinds of business, upper management making decisions trickles down and people get laid off and it's not their fault. Like, Baseball is a very small example of that, but Atkins acknowledged that a lot of this failure rests with him. And, you know, I think that we're at least medium high on this front office and a lot of the moves they've made, but that's a reality that he has to live with. And it's a reality that, yeah, putting that out in public, um, I think does speak well of him, at least to some extent. I suppose so. There's, I mean, there's not much else he can he can say, but it is. I mean, it's it, just definitely, definitely a weird look timing wise with the funeral and all that, um, which you know we don't. But uh, but baseball is a cruel sport, and business can be cruel. Yeah, we don't have to go deep into that, but I think it's interesting that we had the conversation of, oh, well, they couldn't possibly fire him at this time because it would be totally classless. And I think that's something that we agreed on, and I think that's something that a lot of our listeners would have agreed on, that sort of firing him the day of the funeral or the day before the funeral or whatever. Like, It's weird where we decide, like, oh, this is totally classless and they would never do it, and then they just got just outside that bubble enough that it was sort of socially acceptable for lack of a better term. And uh, I don't know, it, it is a tricky thing because you, if you want to make this move, like there's no time like the present in the sense that every win matters. If you think it's having a concrete effect on the team's ability to win and that's your job, but it is weird because one day it's like, this is so classless. It's inconceivable. And then like 24 hours later, it's like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, some of our some 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 of us had some uh, some opinions up, uh, upended by all of this. Now, one thing I will say though about it, which is which I which came out of some of the coverage and like and how it all leaked out, was the idea that they they did not get Charlie re- reinforcements, adequate reinforcements, as a way to like uh, to to make this easier. Which is uh, yeah, I don't really believe that. Yeah, that's uh, like it, that. You know, Nobody is nobody's idea of like a bullpen fix. It's just the market hasn't developed. That's insane. Like, (laughs) I don't know how much time I have to spend like shooting that down, but you know, Atkins and Shapiro are judged and their job security is not infinite and they are judged by the success of this team. Um, If anything, the fact that they fired Montoyo at this as close to that funeral as they did showed that they're willing to play with fire a little bit when it comes to optics, which they've done a lot during their tenure, to be honest. So the idea that for some massive optics strategy, they weren't going to get him reinforcements kind of at the cost to a team that's really living on the edge of a knife from a playoff positioning standpoint is absolutely wild. Like imagine the Blue Jays missed the playoffs again, by a single game, which is an outcome that could conceivably happen. 
And a big reason that happened is because the front office was like, oh, no, we got to make sure we, we're not too good uh, so that we can fire this manager, which is what we really want to do. Like, that's bizarre. doesn't it, make any sense. It, no, it does not. It, it, it does not. I, I think the notion of uh, of pressure from above is an interesting one as well. I know I listened to Shai DeVee. He was on uh, Bob McCowan's podcast, and I, I saw that come up in my feed. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I've, I've long since broken my sports radio uh, addiction, uh, so I'm not out there listening to the Bobcat every day. But uh, that kind of stuff came up. Always, you know, always an interesting uh, uh, topic. Uh, God, I, I, like his business side focus kind of, I think, hits well when, when we're talking about stuff that sort of gets to the, the upper levels of the front office. And I spoke to somebody else about it who's, who wonders about, you know, the like – Man, those they showed those highlights. I know it's the Royals, and it's like, but it's like this Friday, Friday night school. Like the schools are out. It's July, and like the place didn't look like it was especially rocking right now. And it's kind of just been a listless season. And then they would show highlights, you know, during Friday's broadcast here. Uh, like the, the Yankee Stadium, it's yeah, it's the Yankees, Red Sox, it's not Jays, Royals, but it, it, the the vibes there were, you know, it was just a packed, packed stadium, uh, and the thing was happening and uh and i i don't know and i would i would hesitate to ever say too much about how how much potentially um you know baseball operations gets affected by rogers bottom line kind of stuff but if there's like you know maybe you can get squeezed a little bit if there's talk from above like hey the leafs you know the leafs played one round of the playoffs again uh you know nobody watched the stanley cup we're losing money on that why do we have like a half empty stadium? Why, you know, what it, it could there have been pressure on, you know, on that front? Uh, I, I don't know. Not, 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 I don't think, not, not impossible that there could have been some sort of thought to that in this, in the sense of needing a spark and not being able to let this fester and linger and, and continue to be uh, a bit of a listless season. Though, I like to believe that, uh, that that sort of stuff doesn't really doesn't really happen in that kind of way, and that it would be just a baseball operations decision. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if there's a component of that. I think it's you know you remember that yeah they are accountable to ownership. Every single baseball operations department around the league is accountable to ownership. I think if anything, the Blue Jays, because their ownership is a corporation, are probably you know less at sort of the whims of something. Like I don't know if you're another franchise and you have just sort of a random billionaire and he's like oh man i keep hearing about how our manager shit get rid of him like you don't have that in the same way because you know it's a boardroom full of people and the blue jays are a small part of their business and all that jazz so i I think they might be less susceptible to that than other teams but you know i was at the ballpark on thursday like you said wasn't exactly a bump and i thought people might come down to see the blue jays uh beat up on a triple a team i thought people might think that was a a fun thursday activity obviously it didn't happen uh we can get into that that was you know one of the worst blue jays losses i've seen in person i've seen a lot of blue jays losses in person i was at almost every home game from 2017 to 2019 so uh that one stuck stood out with just a triple a roster yeah that was a tough one that was that was not uh, that was not the the re- resounding response that I think they wanted. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it's it's a weird it's a it's a new era. I guess it'll be interesting to see how this goes. I think you know the, the they did not 
just call John Schneider the manager. He's the interim manager, right? That tag is on him. There's a chance that they could, you know, rethink, reset in the off season. I don't know where I would put the like those chances. Like I was going to ask, like, where do you put the like as a percentage chance? And I'm not saying that I have a good sense of this necessarily, but it's an interesting question. I don't have like, any fucking clue what I'm talking about? But, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Like. Uh, it's 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 seemed for a long time that they that this has been a guy that they've sort of been grooming to take this spot eventually, and, and there's lots of relationships there. Um, so it wouldn't shock me. I would, I'm you know, uh, maybe higher than sixty forty, maybe like seventy five percent chance Schneider comes back. But I don't know. It gives them the opportunity to go and, and have a reset. I know that uh, I was looking this up earlier in the week about uh, just uh, just how infrequently Shapiro led teams have. Uh, uh, have fired the manager midstream. I did. I, I think it only happened in his first year, basically, uh, in Cleveland when Charlie Manuel got the boot. Um, or was it Mike Hargrove? Doesn't really matter. Um, but uh, but the the Terry Francona thing was interesting because he, you know, Maniac was only there for three years. He did like was relieved of his duties like right at the end of the year. So there was uh, so Sandy Alomar Jr. managed for like six games in Cleveland uh, at the end of whatever year that was. Uh, but Francona had been in broadcasting and had like a relationship with the city and with the organization. He played there a year. His dad had been like a star in the fifties and sixties and that kind of like, I don't know. I look just, just looking at the, you know, just looking at it on paper, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe there was, I do kind of remember like that was more going on in the background, uh, that, you know, than, than just act as performance being what was, what was, uh, at play there. And I believe I read something during this that Alomar and Francona were the only guys who, interviewed for the job. So it made it feel like, you know, that was just sort of going to happen. And I wonder if the, you know, maybe they have a guy out there. I don't know if it's Joe Madden. I suspect it's not. I mean, it be no. a couple of years ago, maybe, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mo. It's unfortunate that his mohawk is not going to be a part of sort of the public discussion ever. I don't think we're going to see it, which is, you know, but uh, you know, he. It's funny because when Montoya was hired, he was the sort of guy who would be like, "Oh, well, that's you know, that's the type of guy who's a dream manager." When everything comes together, obviously, uh, people feel pretty differently about that uh, than they do now. But I, I think it's likely that this is Schneider's job, like you said, probably more likely than not going forward. Not only someone you just have heard good things about in the organization uh, for a long time, they hold in high esteem, someone who's had a lot of success in the minor leagues, but more and more, you know, he's he's someone who has a relationship with these players and has won with not all of them, but a good percentage of this core in the minor leagues. And, you know, I think that means more and more than it used to. You know, back in the day when the manager was a star and they made as much or more than the players, it was sort of the idea, well, we're going to get a brilliant manager and the players will fall in line. And now I think, you know, you're looking for more of a relationship person and at times Montoya looked like that person. And I think to some people in the clubhouse, he probably was until the very end. Uh, but Schneider is definitely someone who has this ingrained relationship with these guys. And that doesn't mean everything, but it means a lot. And it'd be pretty hard to replicate that elsewhere. Like I know that you know, t- you know, Twitter wants a Gibby back and, you know, people want Russell Martin and, you know, there's, you know, as much as Martin played for the team relatively recently, John Schneider knows these guys a lot better, has had success with them, um, you know, is aligned with what the front office wants to do. I'm not saying that he's going to be uh, unbelievable or perfect by any means. We'll see how it goes. Like, it, you know, he's, he's only done it for a couple of games. It'd be foolish to have a very strong opinion on him as a manager, but he's a very credible candidate. Like if they were starting from scratch, 
he would be sort of an internal guy that they would give a very long look to. So he's in a position where he's managing a good team, uh, you know, that's headed toward an expanded playoff field, has a very good chance to make the playoffs. If he has any kind of playoff success, it's pretty hard to say, oh, no, this guy wasn't the dude. Like the guy who took the team when it was kind of meandering and hovering around 500 and not doing great at the All-Star break and took them to the playoffs and they won a round. Eh, we'll go for somebody else. It's just hard to see that happening. No, I think, I, I think part of it also is uh, as like I think when uh, when Girardi got through, uh, fired in Philadelphia that, that Schneider's name came up or could it could have been for the Angels job? Maybe it was for the Angels job because of uh, the connection with Terry Manassian because Schneider's obviously been with the Jays for as long as as like go, dating back that long. Uh, and so this definitely you know takes him out of the pool of candidates if they so wish, right? Like he. Uh, he he could have been a commodity, and I think that definitely has a, a reputation. That's something also that we we saw from some of the comments. Like I was trying, you know, man, <laughs> as I mentioned a couple times, you know, I'm not real not real pleased with my tea leaf reading abilities at the moment. But uh, you know, just some of the comments were interesting from the players. I think just about uh, you know the word accountability came up, and I you know who knows how much that is just a just just the thing that you say, or if that's something that that. Uh, that they really felt was lacking. I guess they, I guess they, in a sense, did, which I, you know, something I hate to concede from the people who thought they could define the lack of accountability uh, to whatever extent it existed, just from watching Charlie on their TVs. Uh, but none, you know, uh, people want bench guys after after bad plays, and you know, maybe the, the, the sun well, okay, but today, weird. for instance, Rymel Tapia goes for that terrible stretch of a single into a double. And then he gets a million props from Schneider in the dugout. And sometimes it just feels like a different flavor of the same thing gets different responses, right? Because if Montoyo did that, you'd just be like, oh, he's letting guys off the hook and he's just super positive about everything. But when Schneider does, it's like, oh, well, this guy's trying to emphasize good base running and he's trying to change it to an aggressive mindset. And some of that feels a little bit silly. Yeah, I, I think I think so. But well, you know, well, uh, interesting though. I mean, and I think you're. I mean, geez, Charlie couldn't have done that, or it would have been a story for a week. But uh, but I, I, one of the other ways that sort of I think it was phrased was that, like they know what they know what they that what he is going to demand of them or what they expect for or what he's going to expect of them. Um, which you know I think does it does carry something. Obviously, I mean these are I mean these, we're talking about minor league championships or whatever. But he won. I think it was two, right? I think it was in Dunedin. Yeah. Won a couple, and uh, you know, the, like just having a guy that they know could can lead you to a championship and of whatever kind. I'm sure. I suppose that has some uh, that has some value to it, especially if you're, you know, if things are listless and you're not sure about you know this guy and you're rolling your eyes when he's when he's making a, a challenge, which I don't know necessarily all on Charlie anyway, but. Uh, and that, I think, as we've said already, like that'll be the interesting thing to emerge. Like how much perception, like how much difference is really perceptible between what uh, what we see from Schneider and Montoyo, and and the the Tapia thing was a great example, I think, of how it, you know something that could have yeah could have gotten Charlie uh, a lot of heat uh, is 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 looking uh, looked on with a fresh set of eyes, I guess. Yeah, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't give Schneider the benefit of the doubt. Like, he's a guy who, like you said, has had a lot of success, has a good reputation. There's every reason to believe he's a good manager. I'm just suggesting that it's worth thinking about these things critically because I do believe at the end of the day, and I was pretty critical of Montoya's tactics, especially earlier in his tenure, um, but I think that 
sometimes we should take a step back and think about, yeah, like if this person had done this, how would we we reacted differently and the way things were spun from Charlie because of his positivity and the way that was interpreted. I don't know. I just feel like we look, it was looked down on perhaps more than was deserved. We'll see. And I mean, the proof will be in the pudding to some, to some extent, but at the same time, which I said at the time that the snooze came down, I think it's very probable the Blue Jays do better from here on out. Just luck and regression to the mean for some of their top players um, and, you know, potential reinforcements that they get at the deadline now that the front office isn't withholding help. Um, and, uh, and so I think that Schneider is in a very good position to succeed and a very good position to be kind of loved by the fan base because he'll be the guy who took over from the guy people weren't sure about and didn't really like. And then there was greater success. And again, that is far from inevitable. Like the Blue Jays could absolutely do really badly down the stretch here. And he could have the interim tag, you know, taken off and they could find someone else. But if I'm, you know, like you said, neither of us are saying we're expert at reading tea leaves. But if I had to do it right now, I'd say the team does better from here on out. He gets his fair share of credit. And then he's looked on as this really you know, strong manager and strong leader, which, again, I'm not saying won't be deserved. But it does feel like the scales are tilting in his favor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll be, he's an interesting, he's a different personality. I mean, that's an aspect of the job. The media handling aspect is, is going to be, is going to be different. Charlie never entirely, I mean, speaking in his second language all the time, never entirely seemed uh, fully super comfortable about um, just, I mean, that's just maybe partly his nature as well. Um, but, you know, it, it was definitely a contrast between Gibby and, and Charlie. And I think that you know, we'll see more of a, uh, a boisterous guy and uh, and John Schneider than we than we did and but I think that that you know that kind of contributed to some of Charlie's problems perception wise at least among fans as well right like I think that he there was more competitiveness there than than people sometimes got a sense of because of the like the, the tightrope he was trying to walk keeping the vibes all positive and being the you know the mayor of, of vibe town I did love that the the home run jacket did not disappear which i know a lot of people were kind of like yeah now they're gonna get serious and oh yeah that stupid jacket makes people mad will go away um so that they've kept that i think is fun yeah that's a that's a good sign and it and you know like you said schneider you know i don't think it would be fair to say he's gibby-esque or anything like gibby was a singular character um but he is more what people expect to see from a manager uh-huh. and what blue jays fans expect to see is colored by gibby a lot especially younger blue jays fans for whom he was sort of their formative manager um but i you know i think montoya deserves a little bit of credit for being you know being different and being himself too like I don't know. Yeah. There's a world where the fact that he went to salsa clubs and performed and that he had bongos in his office and the fact that he didn't let, you know, really bad stretches get him down and that he wasn't this red ass and that he wasn't a, you know, red faced shouting type of guy, even though he kind of got into the ejections this season for whatever reason. Like, I don't know. It is weird. I, I really like to think about alternate timelines and maybe that's just a way in which my mind is broken. But if, <laughs> if things had gone differently for him, like there is this world where Montoyo is like, Oh, I'm not your traditional manager. I'm doing things differently. I'm a different type of guy. And I, you know, I did this the hard way. I came up through the minors. I finally got my chance. I wasn't what everyone you know thinks of when they think of a manager, but I connected with the players and I did it. Uh, a little bit differently and look at the success I had. And I just, 
I don't think that there's anything that prevented that timeline from happening that truly rests on his shoulders. And I'm not saying that he didn't make the occasional bad decision. We talked about plenty of them on the show. If you want to make an argument to me that a different manager might have won one or two more games last year, got the Blue Jays into the playoffs, it's an impossible argument to win or lose, but I could listen to that argument. But it is interesting that, you know, trying something a little bit different in a sense. And also, at the time when he got hired, it was the time when everyone wanted the next Kevin Cash and they were going getting Chris Woodward and Rocco Baldelli. And it's a trend we've seen in multiple sports now where you want younger guys who are recently players that you feel like connect with that generation better. And the Blue Jays zagged and they went a totally different direction. And, you know, at the time it was worth questioning. And, you know, based on the the end result, I guess it's still worth questioning but I do respect when people want to themselves, their authentic selves, and two, when they do things differently. And I did respect that about Charlie. Um, I guess just the caveat about all of this at the end is that, like, and it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, well, it turns out. And, and like, but also, like you say, I mean, you know, that, that throw against the Tigers last year, that could, that, he could still be here if not for that. He could still be here if Barrios had not had like a wayward first half of the season, or Kikuchi could throw a fastball, or the bullpen wasn't you know what it's been if Nate Pearson didn't have mono. Like, there's all sorts of little details along the line that that, that really could have made you know could have made this a different conversation that we're having today. Um, which, on one hand, is weird, and and it's like okay, well, man, the the margins are so thin. Like, what are we? What are we even? I don't know. What are we even doing? If that's all, if a handful of starts is all it takes, but uh, but I mean, it just speaks to I guess how badly they felt that they need to pull this one lever that they had, and uh, um, you know, it hasn't been a fun first half of the season. That's for sure. I mean, it's had its moments, but uh, but yeah, it's I, I, I think also the Orioles and the Yankees have had. Uh, have had an outsized effect on it a little bit because, you know, the Jays are supposed to win this division, as so everybody seemed to say in the spring. Uh, and so here are the Yankees looking like this, and here are the Orioles won 10 in a row. I, don't, I didn't see what happened at the end of their game tonight. But, uh, you know, looking like they're here a year early with uh, a pretty good system and, and, and good things to come for them. Uh, you know, it's a, I think it's a, a reductive reading of it to be like, oh, the Jays have sort of gotten... Uh, are, are going to get swept past by the Orioles and are, are, have missed an opportunity in these last couple of years. But also, I could feel I could, you, you can feel the pressure of that perhaps mounting as well, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about alternate, you know, realities, that's one that exists. One where the Blue Jays window was 2021 and 2022, uh, and then you know the the Orioles arrived and you know the Rays farm system made them even better, and Wander Franco became like the great superstar and whatever. I I don't buy the Orioles. Like I, I think we talked about this before. I never like to be like, oh, you know, when I really want to have a strong take on a team is when they're their absolute best in the middle of a winning streak or absolute worst. Like you know, the Orioles are. 500 right now that's an incredible accomplishment for them considering their roster and how far they've come and how long they've been a shitty team but i'm not prepared to say oh yeah the orioles are a huge threat you know the blue jays you know sitting above the red Sox right now i think they're a better team than the red Sox. again i don't this isn't about just spouting pure optimism of the team but yeah it's been a rough first half but at the end of the day you look at the standings you look at the talent on this roster you have to feel good about it and it that is part of the, the thing that makes this whole move interesting is that you could have easily talked yourself into 
the this is largely speaking fine. Like, you know, that West Coast road trip was terrible, but a lot of West Coast road trips have been terrible. And if you're going to talk me into the sort of conspiracy theoryness of it all, um, in terms of the timing of it, I would say that you might be able to convince me that there's probably a sense that things, A, would get better, and B, that a stretch against the Royals, and I don't know how much the Blue Jays know about their vaccination status of the players, probably a lot, because they've looked into acquiring certain players. They probably knew this was coming, and that they had this homestand against you know the Phillies, who are weakened, and a pretty dreadful Royals team. And there could have been a scenario where Montoyo, yeah, leads them to five or six straight wins or something like that. And then you're in a weird optic situation if you want to drop them. So I, f- I feel like if there's anything about the timing that makes some sense, maybe it's that. It's that, like this is a low point. We feel like this. if this is the move we want to make, maybe this is the time to make it because things might have an upturn and then we're in a weird spot. Yeah, I think that makes that actually makes a lot of sense. Absolutely, it's a bit of a soft landing for uh, for Schneider as well, having to face the the Royals. Then you get the All Star break; everybody can take a little bit of a breather. Um, yeah, I, I I buy that as being. A th- I mean, but also like once the decision's made, you kind of have to just make it. I think too. Yeah, and I guess you know it, the decision was probably made. I don't know. I think again, clearly we didn't know exactly what was going on at the time, so I don't want to go back and revisionist pretend like we knew because yeah, I, I thought that was silly the idea that the Seattle series was this big deal, and maybe at the end of the day it was. And now here we are in this new, yeah, you know, the new frontier, the John Schneider era, which. Uh, yeah, it could be a lot. Could be a long one potentially, and I think the the only thing that would convince me that he is not the interim manager or is not a longer term manager is one of things just went horribly sideways, and so it's pretty tough to hire a guy on after he like drives a team into the ground with high expectations. Like if the Blue Jays finish behind the Orioles, say, pretty hard to say. Oh, this is our guy. Um, not to say that he wouldn't, you know, have the qualities of a guy. I think also you'd have to go in another totally other direction, like that Cora, Woodward, Baldelli type of direction. Maybe you're like, oh, we need that former player uh, who was recently playing in the big leagues and had some success there, yada, yada, yada guy. But if you're just going for a manager, uh, yeah, I think John Schneider is your manager. And I don't, I'm not saying that in a negative way, but, um, I, I think that people have been a little bit gleeful about this situation a bit in a way that's been a little bit distasteful at times. And so if my tone is coming off, like I'm super pro Montoyo and anti Snyder, that's not the case in terms of the people. Like I've interacted and met with both people. I hold them both in high esteem. I understand why the organization likes Snyder. Um, I just, it, it did leave a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. Some of the discourse, I mean, a lot of the Montoya discourse over the years has, but um, yeah, when people lose their jobs and, you know, in many ways, their dreams, I don't think, you know, it's a good time to dance on their misfortune. No, I think that's, that's good too. I've checked out of some of the Montoya discourse myself um, for those reasons. Cause yeah, that's nobody, nobody needs that though. I think I've probably done a sufficient job muting and blocking over the years that uh, I don't catch a ton of it anyway. Yeah, I mean the the mute button on Twitter is uh, is a great invention. I mean, if if Elon Musk gets a hold of this thing in the end, I hope that's not one of the changes he makes, uh, removing the mute button because it's absolutely essential. No, I, I think you're right. I, I'm more of a block guy sometimes, like that soft block as well. Classic move. 
Um, okay. Well, I feel like we, is there any sort of final statements you want to make on the Montoya Snyder managerial thing? Because otherwise I think we can more or less get out of here. That's clearly the big news item that we need to touch on. I mean, we could go a little bit deeper on that horrible loss on Thursday. I feel like I'm talking myself out of it. The moment I said that it was dreadful. They lost to a garbage team. I don't like to overreact to single games, but that was one of the worst um, I've seen, but I don't know. It's pretty clear that this is the big story. So I'll, I'll leave you if you want to make a sort of final statement on it and then we can, uh, yeah, move on, get to, to our weekends. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't have a, a huge state. You know, I like, I've defended Montoya a bunch over the years. Um, cause I think a lot of criticism has been unfair of him and, and the perception that people had of him has been odd, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it's just baseball manager. One, uh, seems like a nice dude. Didn't think he really did anything wrong, but these are this is the industry that uh, that I cover, and we we all talk about it. And it's, I think it's exciting that, that Schneider's getting the opportunity, and uh, you know how much of a, a his fingerprints can he put on this team? I'm not sure. That'll be sort of interesting to sort of suss out because obviously this is uh, this is very much a team that's run out of the front office, I think, in in a lot of ways. But also, this is maybe a guy that they feel that they can give a little more autonomy to. Uh, we definitely saw Charlie over the years. Uh, the cha- the tactics change, like you talked about, you know, some of the mistakes and some of the things we didn't like getting, you know, uh, changing a little bit, the ejections uh, changing a little bit. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's exciting to see what uh, what comes next. And I think there, like you also said, there's just so much talent on this team that you ha- can't feel anything but good about what the, the next half of the season is going to bring because, you know, I don't think Bobachet's going to hit like 102 weighted runs created plus for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I also don't love him hitting fourth, to be honest. I'd probably have him third and Teoscar fourth or Kirk fourth, but that's a whole different uh, thing. Yeah, I mean, Teoscar is a better hitter than Bo. He has been for the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, again, don't want to bury Schneider right away over something incredibly minor, but we will be putting his moves under the microscope for sure. I think in the next couple of weeks, even unintentionally, I think it's just going to make you kind of pay closer attention to every little detail here. Because, like you said, we want to see how is he putting his fingerprints on the team. And that's going to be a discussion point uh, going forward. And it'll probably be a discourse that's less toxic than the Montoya discourse. So that's something to look forward to. Um, We do not have a firm schedule for next week, folks. But we will let you know when you can hear us uh, when we figure that out. And we appreciate you guys listening in, whether it's live or after the fact. And uh, taking in, you know, some three two, three-day-old Montoyo firing takes, because I guess hopefully you haven't had enough already. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody.